My name's Red, and I want to tell you about Transformers. My curiosity is aroused. Welcome back to another Transformerific episode of Fanholes Transformers Tuesdays. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your spooky dookie hosts tonight, and I am joined by one of my frightening fanholes, fellow fanholes. Why don't you give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hi, my name is Mike, and I want to tell you about the Transformers. It's like your your name is is uh, Mike, but your your real name is like Michael White. I was like, I didn't know his name is Bradley. Like, I didn't know that. I I think that's from the comics. Like, I don't right. think unless is it's that, like some kind of like so that's production like, material. Okay, yeah. but that's like maybe something like Simon Furman wrote in the. The Armada yeah. comic or something like that. Yep. Yeah, I was like, oh, I, I I read the Armada comic, but I just don't I don't remember that for whatever reason. I, and I, I was I, I was there like, there is like, there is some scene with his parents, I believe, where they call him like Bradley. Bradley. Like, so, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't. You know. I I guess I've I I've uh, I've blocked a lot of Armada out of my my brain <laughs> or whatever. You know. Well, it's like, at least like you know like. They don't call Carlos like Car or something. Right, like... right, right. <laughs> so yeah, so this is this is actually part of our fanhole Sprite Fest month for the month of October, and like we typically do, we're looking at some kind of Halloween themed stories and episodes regarding Transformers. And the plan is, what we're going to do is, in the first half, we wanted to touch on Transformers Armada, and we are actually going to look at the short story from a series called, or I guess it's, you know, it's an anthology book called Transformers Legends that was released in 2004, and the short story that we're focusing on is from Transformers Armada, and it's titled Something Robotic This Way Comes. And I guess just to get into it, in the far future, on Cybertron, once a year the Minicons gather to pass on stories in an oral tradition. This is one such story as related by an extremely old Minicon. It's autumn in South Dakota, and Alexis, Carlos, and Red have gone camping with their Minicon friends. They discuss that night's Halloween celebration. Rad is intending to go as a zombie. He's watching too much Walking Dead. While Carlos's costume is a secret. It's like, Carlos have a secret. And Alexis professes to be above all that and is going out collecting for UNICEF instead. Way to go, Alexis. 
Way to earn that cash. Confused, the Minicons ask what Halloween is. Alexis explains how it was a end-of-summer ritual which started in Ireland some 2,500 years ago, but is now used by children to obtain candy from strangers. Sounds about legit. The Minicons are still confused, so Rad suggests that the kids bring the Minicons with them when they trick-or-treat. That night in the schoolyard, Rad tells a ghost story which causes the Minicons to panic. While he's laughing, Alexis turns the tables by creeping up on him from behind and making him jump. Carlos asks to be helped into his costume, which turns out to be a poorly constructed facsimile of a minicon. Darn it, not what I was thinking. And they go trick-or-treating. Arriving at a street, they are initially uncertain as to what to do with the minicons until Rad and Carlos decide they can come back for candy. Alexis reveals, it's like, I, see, that's what I hate about the TF Wiki, it's like, they don't come to beg for candy, they're just trying to figure out what the fuck is going on with Halloween, and then the kids use them as, like, you know, candy grubbers or whatever, so they're, it's like the kids are bringing them along to beg for candy, but the minicons themselves are not, like, oh boy, candy, anyway, Alexis reveals her costume, she's trick-or-treating as a princess. The boys manage to keep straight faces. At the first house, they encounter a dog, but the residents restrain it and distribute candy and money for UNICEF to Alexis and Shershot. Afterwards, they go over the rules again. Rad explains that if they don't get candy, they can later return to the house and soap their windows or TP their trees. This established the three humans and three minicons continue trick-or-treating. The story ended, the Minicons announced that the lesson to be learned is to be generous in spirit and others will be generous to you. It's like, be excellent to each other and party on, dude! Um, the old Minicon, who is not Bill or Ted, is sure shocked and puts on an Alexis mask, not creepy at all, and waving their bars of soap and rolls of TV, the Minicons go trick-or-treating. And that is the synopsis that is something robotic this way comes. And yeah, I, I mean, I was talking to Mike before we, we started doing the show official, but this is this is kind of one of my... I mean, I guess th this show has a number of mandates, but yeah, we wanted to fit something into Fanholes Fright Fest, so we wanted to discuss Transformers, you know, shows and or stories that were Halloween-themed, and this being a short story that relates to Halloween and kind of explaining the tradition to aliens, to outsiders, you know, as the Transformers are, you know, trying to get a grasp on what the hell Halloween is exactly, like, you know, what its cultural significance is exactly, you know, kind of relates to that mandate. And, and my other kind of secret mandated agenda with this show was I, I kind of wanted to discuss Transformers properties we haven't yet had a chance to sort of officially cover on this show, and, and one of those properties is Transformers Armada. I mean, I, I, I mean, yeah, I know we did the... I guess the only other thing I could think of that we, when we tried to do some coverage, and, and I wasn't really there for that, but it still was one of our, our better, like, fanhole sidecasts or whatever, when we did the, con when you guys did the, the funny-ass commentary on oh, yeah. the Carnival episode. But that's the only time I can think of that we, we ever really touched on, you know, Armada. And, and that was definitely in a, you know, kind of, you know, poke fun 
kind of way. You know, it, it was yeah, purposely, you know, low-hanging fruit. Like, we went for the worst episode in the entire, you know, 50 episodes or whatever to sort of go after for that. But, you know, th- this I thought, I, I thought for one, maybe it'd blow Justin's mind that, like, I, I read a book, you know, like, for the podcast. Like, and, of course, Justin might say I'm cheating because it's, like, a little anthology short story. It's, like, you know, what is it, like? six pages like five pages or whatever it is it's like a little it's a I little think it's at least 10 yeah or yeah like a it, little over there it, it, it wasn't it wasn't super long it wasn't a big time investment and and it but it was it was something that sort of fit all you know checked all the boxes that that we had for this this episode you know it's like we had really yet to cover transformers armada on transformers tuesdays and and also it it you know dovetails rather nicely you know into a halloween theme which which i thought was kind of cool i mean i don't know the framework of the story kind of fits i mean it's kind of weird to imagine like sure shock is like some kind of elder statesman that's teaching a bunch of young minicon kids about trick-or-treating on presumably Cybertron, like, you know, so that's kind of interesting. I mean, and then I guess it kind of plays with the idea. I mean, I guess we can talk about this, but, you know, it, it's kind of like that whole, you know, back in the, you know, the G1 days or whatever, you know, it's like there, there were differences between the comic and the cartoon and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and I think one of the big delineating factors in the ancillary media for Transformers Armada was always, the, the cartoon they talked in bleeps and bloops and boops kind of kind of like bumblebee does in the in the bayformers movies and in the comic books and and uh, surely in this story this novel you know you cannot have people communicate in beeps and fucking boops in a comic book or i mean i guess you could but y- you know what i mean like they 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 talk like regular characters and have personalities and and speak ostensibly in english so i mean i guess that might be something worth discussing but i mean i i don't know i thought it was kind of a a fun story it's kind of a uh uh uh, niche kind of thing and 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 kind of like a little I don't know what the right word is. It's kind of like an oddity, you know, like, like this is, I mean, for, for lack of a better term, this Transformers Legends thing is kind of like a non-canon version of like Tales from the Moss Eisley Cantina by Kevin J. Anderson, you know, something like that. Like, it's just, it's just this, you know, you know, anthology book with like a bunch of different short stories from all ranges of Transformers universes up till you know the year 2004 so i think there was like stuff from like beast wars and stuff from you know g1 and stuff from armada and different you know different types of of apparently like this book is like ridiculously like uh rare now because i guess it it only had one print run so if you want a physical copy of the book i think you've got to pay out the nose on ebay now I, I mean, I did buy this book. Like, I had it pre-ordered when it was, like, announced and stuff. And I do have a physical copy of it. And, I mean, yeah, it's it's cute. I mean, this is one of the, I think, one of the better constructed stories in it. Like, there are some really dreadful, like, short stories in that <laughs> uh, anthology. Like, the one, there's another one set in the Armada universe where, I forgot the the specifics, but it's, like, 
a mini con like team like teams up with a human and then like the human has this truck and the mini con like falls in love with the truck and then like the the tf wiki's all snarky about it where it's like you know the mini con is like in love with the truck and you know he says he cherishes the truck and then it's like and eh, we're just gonna cut through all the bullshit it, it has sex with the truck like <laughs> but I like it. It's like I don't remember the specifics about it, but I'm like, oh yeah, I kind of remember that general, vague, general like idea of it. But I mean, this was an okay story, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I think it's fine. Like, I I think it's kind of interesting though, because I mean, I, I guess all the things kind of fit the the human characters, because you know, I guess it would make sense. Like, Rad is going as a somewhat traditional halloween costume you know like like a zombie is somewhat traditional for halloween and he's kind of your you know stock kind of lead human character type you know he's kind of like the cool kid his name is rad you know because he's rad and like all that kind of stuff and it's like alexis was always kind of more prim and proper and kind of you know it, it, it kind of makes sense that she's she's not going to actually go canvas the town for candy she's trying to it's under the pretense of of you know i'm i'm going to give back to the community or something like that you know it's like i mean you know it's like okay unicef but you know like it's just like all right i get it like she's trying to do something good for for you know her her you know her fellow human beings you know like so there's there's that aspect of the story and then it, it's kind of funny like carlos like there's this one portion of the story that i thought was funny but it was almost kind of sad where it's like they they bring the mini cons with them kind of like you know how you would bring et with you on halloween and like nobody would notice et on halloween night because everybody thinks it's just this really awesome costume basically and they don't know that he's really you know, an alien from another planet. So it's the same idea when they go trick-or-treating and going from house to house. Like, these people don't, you know, they just think, oh, wow, you kids were really good in woodshop or what, whatever they think they did to to make these robotic costumes. But I love the one bit where the guy, like, looks over all the minicons and is like, wow, those costumes are great. And then he looks at Carlos's costume. He's like, and and yeah way to go buddy on on that costume but it's like you can tell like the guy's just kind of like oh you know his costume isn't as cool as the other costumes you know so it's like it's kind of funny yeah when you you mentioned like the uh in the future when Churshock is wearing like the alexis mask i'm kind of i kind of feel like he was like yeah i skinned it off her face myself yeah that's like, what i was like i was like what is this texas chainsaw massacre shit on cybertron i'm like i'm like they really they really took the halloween thing to heart like they they brought back a piece of human culture and it's kind of twisted and and weird and everything but it's like it's funny though because this is supposed to be like sort of oh it's it's to honor her because she taught us you know the lesson of of you know kind of you know giving on to others and all this kind of stuff which is kind of which is kind of funny because it's like it's like is that i I don't know maybe it's just me but it's like one of those things where i'm kind of like that's not really what Halloween's about. Like, it seems like that would almost fit more if this was like some kind of like, you know, they went around singing Christmas carols or something and collecting for UNICEF or something. You know what I mean? Like, like that. it seems like the life lesson 
fits better with with a holiday like Christmas or something. But you know, it's like, but but I guess you know, I don't know, because because sometimes I'm kind of wondering too. Like, I mean, I I don't ever remember. Like, I get the idea behind trick or treat, but I always thought that trick or treat, like the actual saying, was a toothless saying. If that makes any sense, like I I don't ever. And, and like, it seems kind of like, I don't know, to me, I mean, this is might be something worth discussing just in terms of our experiences with the quote unquote tradition of Halloween, you know, you and me, like as kids or growing up or whatever. Right. But it's like, if you said trick or treat, it's like, I never thought of that as a threat. Like, it's not like you give me a treat. Otherwise I will trick you with TP or whatever the fuck they're talking about here. Like, you know, like I, I was never going to go egg somebody's car if they didn't give me candy. Like, does that seem kind of backward to you? Or, like, I mean, I always took it as trick-or-treat was, you know, either you give me a treat or you give me some kind of trickery. Like, that's kind of how I viewed it. But Yeah, I mean, there there was some... There were some, like, shenanigans, like, around the neighborhood and stuff. But, like, I don't... I don't know. Yeah, we. I don't think we ever like did any like serious damage to anyone. Right, right, right. Well, but even that, like, I don't. I don't even like. I mean, I don't. I don't know how to explain it. But I, I always thought of it as kind of toothless, like that. It wasn't. It wasn't something like you. You weren't really going to. I don't know. I. I. I never really took it as you know. It, it was just like you said it, but it wasn't. It's. It's almost like I felt like early on when you're young enough, you just say trick or treat, and you don't. You don't really understand. You know what that means, or what it, it's basically. You say that so you can get some candy, but if you look at the actual intent of the phrase, right? It's like it's like well, give me a trick or give me a treat. Like that's that's kind of how I took it, but it's like. You know, I don't know, like, that's, you know, I, I just thought it was kind of funny that at some point they're kind of like, oh, yeah, well, if they don't give us any candy, you know, we'll go soap up their windows or, you know, I don't know, what whatever they were saying they were, you know, going to do to somebody in the neighborhood. And I always thought, well, that's kind of fucked up. Who cares? Like, maybe, maybe they don't have enough money for Snickers bars, you know, like, maybe, maybe they don't have enough money for Reese's Pieces buttercups or whatever. Yeah, I getcha. I don't know. I know, like... I know um sure shock I guess is like usually considered to be like a female minicon like hmm. to match with like Alexis but like after this story it's like and after what like Alexis collecting for UNICEF like I can't help but like hear sure shock talking like Arnold Schwarzenegger or like McBain <laughs> like on the Simpsons where you know they have like that scene on the Simpsons where McBain is like you know they won't stop. Those terrorists won't stop me from delivering these UNICEF pennies. Like, and he like throws the the pallet of UNICEF pennies off the plane, and he's like, "Oh, pennies, go and help the puny children who need you." Like, but yeah, like I mean, I I kind of feel like this fits maybe into like Dreamwave Armada comic content, okay? Just because okay. the yeah, minicons yeah. talk. Yeah, they talk. And like, yeah, like the UNICEF thing, it seems like Alexis kind of becomes like a, like in the Energon comic, at least she kind of becomes like a, like kippy protester or something. So like, or a, I don't know, a, a uh, how do you want to, you want to say it like a environmental, like, 
I don't know what I'm saying here, like some kind of demonstrator or something, if I remember correctly. So I feel like maybe she she learned some hard lessons in college or something. So it's like she doesn't she doesn't go off to become like the the world leader or whatever she is in Energon, like the oh yeah, she's like person for ambassador. Yeah, Yeah, she's like an ambassador or something in the cartoon. Yeah, so I guess it could go either way, but. I mean, I, I don't know. Do you want to, I mean, because I, I, I know your, I guess your concern was it's a cute story. This is fun. It ties into Halloween, but there, there's not much more to it than that. Like other than you, you, you know, you make the kind of commentary on well, what life lesson did they exactly learn? They learned to, you know, they learned the Bill and Ted lesson of, you know, be excellent to each other and party on dude. And the mini cons go off and, you know, do trick or treat on Cybertron and party on dude. And then, you know, other than that, you know, I mean, yeah, we can question the the questionable ritual of wearing Alexis's face on on the Halloween night. But I mean, other than other than that weird Texas Chainsaw Massacre imagery that we're thinking of, even though it's supposed to be just, you know, probably like a cheap paper mask that's done for fun or whatever. You know, it's not supposed to be that grisly, you know, like other than that, like, yeah, there, there's not too much else to sort of talk to because it's like you you've got the mini cons who were always there to be you know regardless of whether they talked in boops and bleeps or whether they spoke english like they they were always smaller than the larger scale transformers so they had a lot of interaction with whoever the human characters were and they also kind of were designed to be inquisitive by nature you know kind of like who are these weird humans and what's up with their customs and culture and you know that's that's essentially what they did i mean it's kind of interesting because i think i think in some ways the mini cons ended up being some of the more kid-friendly properties that got series later like like if it wasn't for the mini cons you maybe wouldn't have things like you know rescue bots or something where it's like they're specifically partnered up with a minicon, just like in the Rescue Bot show. It's like each human character is specifically partnered up with, you know, for lack of a better term, like a play school Autobot or something like that, you know. But, I mean, I, do you want to talk or go into, like, any any specific thoughts about Armada in general or minicons or... Like, is that something, like, that you got hung up on? Is it is it like one of those toy lines that's like Phantom Menace where, like, you... For, for me, like, I, I think of Phantom Menace where it was like I went out, got excited about, you know, a new Star Wars movie, bought a shit ton of toys, and then in hindsight kind of was like, oh, geez, what was I thinking? Like, these are all worthless pieces of junk, you know, and I ended up getting rid of them later. Like, is that is that something similar akin to Armada where people got excited that there were you know, I guess, vehicle transformers again type thing? Or or is that something that already kind of came and went with robots in disguise? Like, what was your kind of, I guess, take on Transformers Armada? I I was pretty excited for it, because I think the first I heard of it was, like, a Toy Fair magazine had this big article on, like, this is the next, like, Transformers line, and here's the gimmick, and, like, it had a bunch of, you know the stock photos of all the first wave of toys and stuff. And then like they, they had like that dream wave comic preview and like the first few issues of the dream wave comic came out and I was like, Oh yeah, this is pretty okay. And then like they premiered it on um like, you know, cartoon network and 
like the first episode was kind of rough, but I was kind of like, well, this could get better. And then like, then the very, like the second episode, I rapidly discovered, no, I don't think this is going to get better. Cause the, like the second episode, like the animation quality drops like a stone, like, like the, the, the last few like scenes of the first episode of Armada are really nicely animated. And then the second episode, it's like they, they went straight to like an ACOM like level mm. studio or something. And I was kind of like, oh, this is this is not so good. Like, but... is it is it, I mean, I, I feel like I don't know enough about it. Like, but is it true that Micron Legends animation is slightly better than Armada? It's better in that there are less mistakes. Mm, like, because okay. Armada, like, they, they rushed it to get it to U.S. shores, basically. Okay. So, basically, okay. Armada uses a rough cut of the animation. Okay. And, okay. like, yeah, Micron Legend got the final, like, cut. And, like, Micron Legend still has, like, some weak-ass weak animation. It just doesn't have as many, like, mistakes as, like, Armada does. It's like, it's like it still might be animated by an ACOM-level studio, but instead of, like, you know... Hotshot having like a propeller, you know, on his knee instead of on his ass or whatever. You know, yeah. it's like it's like okay, that's corrected in the the Micron Legend yeah. cut of it or something. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think, I think at the time, I had a lot more patience for stuff like that. I guess just because I, I, I don't think we got as much. I mean, I, we got transformers properties and, and and shows and things like that but i i think i was a little more willing i mean it, like let me put it this way i watched all of armada on cartoon network i watched all of energon and then i think i tried to watch cybertron and i think that's what kind of broke me if that makes any sense like like <laughs> i i think it was a combination of I think that when Cybertron came out, it was like that weird period where I was like cutting the the cord with like cable and stuff, like where I I got off of cable and then started kind of transitioning to like watching things online all the time and stuff like that. And then I think for whatever reason, I mean, it was pretty easy to find like, you know, subtitled versions of Cybertron. But at that time, it wasn't that easy to find, you know, the dubbed episodes. And when I finally did, it's like I, I tried really hard to catch up on them. But I, I think by then I kind of had, like, lost, uh, I guess, a lot of my patience and or zeal for that kind of style of show. But I know a lot of people are a lot more critical of those shows you know because maybe they expect more from them or you know or i don't know it's like sometimes it's like it, it, there seems to be that disparity between a fan base that is maybe westernized and and has a certain set of expectations whether it's from the g1 cartoon or the comics or, or what have you and then kind of seeing like oh this is you know eastern japanese anime essentially and to them that doesn't necessarily equate into transformers where i felt like i was always kind of seeking that stuff out whether it was like the headmasters or master force or whatever so i don't i don't have a natural aversion to it but i i, I remember kind of experiencing that where some people would be like oh this isn't real transformers this is just some you know anime shit or whatever you know like that that kind of like knee-jerk kind of reaction to the to the show which i don't think i shared but i i think it did i mean that that whole theme 
I think eventually, you know, took its toll on me. But I mean, I kind of stuck it out for like Rad and Alexis and Carlos and all that stuff. I mean, I don't know, like some of those characters were kind of stereotypical, you know, like I, I, I mean, I'm pretty famous for like, even in my Phantom Menace Transformers Armada mashup, like I have Carlos say all the Jar Jar Binks lines because I mean, I, you know, in some <laughs> aspects, you know, Carlos is as much a minstrel type character as Jar Jar Binks was for the Phantom Menace, you know, because you've got, you know, some Canadian, you know, dude doing, you know, hey man, you know, and that kind of freaking Matt Hill. Yeah. Matt Hill doing his dude voice, but with a little, a little Latinx flair or what, what have you. Right. And it, it kind of sounds ridiculous, but you know, it's like, I guess it, you know, I don't know, you know, it's just, that's just, that those were the archetypes of those characters and stuff. I mean, and then I guess, you know, the other thing I remember about that era was people were consistently, because I guess that's when they brought back the, uh, the, I guess what you'd call it, like the 2KX uh, series of Masters of the Universe, you know? And like, yeah. I, I remember people were always constantly comparing those two because I think they aired like one after the other. And so in one case you had sort of a, a revival of a, beloved you know toy slash cartoon comic property that seemed to rely heavily on you know original story content and and had you know i i would say you know fairly original and decent animation without a lot of the errors that you were describing like i mean maybe it's just perspective but you know it didn't seem like that show was rushed into production and it seemed like they they put a lot of uh heart and love into the the stories and the animation for that and then and then you would see you know something like that you know the poorest version of armada something like carnival you know and kind of go oh well that you know these these shows are like night and day like it seems like you know one you know kind of gave a crap about the fandom and the other one just kind of is you know doing what it was designed to do, which is to sell the new toy product, but, you know, it didn't necessarily appeal to previous fandom other than maybe having like Gary Chalk, you know, do the voice for, for, you know, Stompton's Prime or something. Yeah. I mean, David Kay. Yeah. 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 And it was like that, that, that was, I think if, if you were a, if you were a longtime Transformers fan, like that might've been your, your through line, you know, with, with some of the other properties to, to this one where that kind of, you know, took you through on to the, the continuing adventures of, you know, Optimus Prime and Hotshot and Red Alert and all those guys. So, yeah, like, I, I don't know, like, I, I think if the Armada comic didn't exist, then Armada would probably be considered like maybe a total like loss almost like a, well i mean there are fans of the tv show and i mean the tv show did have some good like dramatic moments later on in its run but it was just like so poorly animated and like i don't know it's it really hurt it hmm. yeah i mean i don't i don't hate it like I, I i mean i guess i guess like i said i mean maybe it's just from my you know my point of view that i was coming at it to like like I I can understand the critique that it doesn't have the same level of effort and or you know love put into it that say the the two thousand X you know Masters of the Universe show did but I mean I don't know like I I kind of 
I mean, maybe I'm just blind or something, but it's like, I, I guess I wasn't going at it. Like, you know, some of that stuff, it's like, you, you sort of have to, I mean, I don't know. They, they are alien robots. Like, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, if, if, you know, Prowl turns into a police car, then it's really easy for me to see like, oh, they forgot his police headlight. You know, like, because I know what a police car is. But then if you're going to tell me like, um, you know, what's his nuts? Who turns into the bike? Who was the, what was his name? Sideways, the the traitor guy yeah. who was like a Decepticon. Like, if you're going to tell me like, oh, well, look, Sideways' hatch is yellow in the front here. But then in this animation era, his bumper is yellow. And it's like, well, what the fuck do I know about this alien bike? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like though, if, if that's the kind of... You know, See that stuff, stuff like that was like the least of it, though. Yeah. It's a, it's like the the episode where like Optimus and Jetfire first combine. It's like they combine. You know, you have to sell this new toy that they combine, and then in every other shot, they they're just drawing like Optimus's like regular super mode, like flying around mm. in the sky instead of the new like Jetfire Optimus oh, combination. Okay. So it's like okay. you're like, what the fuck? How did you know? How did you let this air basically? Right, like, it's not right, even doing right. like the job of selling the toy that that it was supposed to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. So, I mean, I'm I'm sure at some point, you know, maybe you know we'll, we'll delve into some some armada or something like that specifically. But I thought this would be a good opportunity just to sort of, you know, touch lightly on our experiences with it. Like, did you? I mean, because I can say for sure. I did not buy any of the toys. I remember playing the the video game on the PS2, but I don't think I bought any of the toys. Were you were you into the line itself? Yeah, like the line itself wasn't too bad. I mean, it was kind of people were kind of an, annoyed that like they didn't have as much articulation as like say the robots in disguise or Beast okay. Wars did. There okay. was there was a lot like a, it was kind of the return of bricks for like some of it, but okay. I mean it wasn't okay. that bad. And like you know the the mini cons were like you know they did what they were supposed to do. It was like a sort of Pokemon thing where it was like you know like collect them all like you can you know. You could have a big. Was that display. was that was that a pain to do that? Like it was for some of those things, like because but minicons came in like three packs, didn't they? Yeah, like some of them, and then but then some of them came with the actual yeah. Transformers as well, right? Like, was there anything where it was like I don't know? Was there anything where it was like annoying, like getting like I don't know, like card sets where you kept getting duplicates of the same one or something like that? really i mean it wasn't like a blind pack situation or whatever like you knew who you had to buy to get who you had to get like and if you like i guess the only thing is if you wanted a certain mini con and like it was with a toy you didn't want then it's like you know oh i gotta buy armada sideswipe to get this mini con like uh but i mean other than that i mean it was it was a good play concept basically and it, it worked like fine and uh, like i like I'm happy that it it the concept has come back in several other lines. What other lines does the minicon type I guess play feature show up in again? Well, uh, Energon and Cybertron like each have like a few minicon teams a piece, like new ones that they added in. And then um what else? Even like Generations had like a minicon team a few years ago and uh what's it called the robots in disguise the like the 2015 2016 cartoon like had a whole like mini con subline where 
you know, they all turned into weapons and stuff and like could combine. Oh, like, okay, right. Like there were the ones that that they they were like partners with Drift, right? Yeah, and yeah. They they turned into like some of his weapons, but they were kind of like his pupils or whatever yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So and like like since like since like Hasbro's introduced like the thirteen primes like mythology. There is a Micronus Prime who is like the creator of or forefather of all minicons. So like they're they're they've graduated to being like an official like subset of you know Transformers in like all continuities basically. So what do you? I mean, do you, uh, I guess I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this, but do you think some of the the previous like things like mini bots or micromasters or maybe those mini spies, like things like that. Like, do those retroactively fit under the banner of a mini con to you, or is that something in and of itself? Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure you could fudge it. Like, there's there's really no explanation for mini spies other than like here are these like tiny little dudes who are just tiny and like they're not like you know they just happen to be tiny it's like yeah i mean and and then another thing that minicons kind of remind me of are those decoys do you remember those like the little oh the like, little like eraser red guys? Yeah, yeah the red and purple sort of you know they were kind of like non-transformable like little pvcs or something yeah i mean it's a concept that i think you know should should and can and should like stick around and trans and has like stuck around in transformers just like you know miniature guys basically i guess mike micro masters were probably like the forefathers of that but yeah or yeah. or mini mini spies i should say and then micro masters like perfected it and then like mini cons are like the new evolution in the catch-all like are there going to be any like mini cons in this this new cartoon that we're seeing images come out from i think it's too early to tell like i'm sure they'll come up with something but th this new cartoon uh, cyberverse that's coming out looks to be like more like g1 inspired so like, yeah I'm, yeah but... it did seem like from the pictures like they're yeah. all pretty recognizable characters and yeah but like i mean i wouldn't say no all right well i mean i i don't know do you do you have any final thoughts on either the short story or, or transformers armada in general no, I mean, like, a, a, we could, we'll say, I'll save it for if we ever go into Armada in depth more. Yeah, but okay. in, in general, like, I like this short story. I, you know, the, the Armada corner of the universe is, it, it's got its flaws, but, like, it, there's some good stuff in it. And I think this short story is a example of, like, you know, the good stuff in it. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd agree with that. I mean, I, I enjoyed reading the story. I think it's it's well written. I kind of like the framing device of it. Like it's kind of fun. Like it's, it's ironic that you were saying that you thought it was kind of like, cause of the UNICEF thing, like you were thinking it was kind of like, you know, McBain or Arnold Schwarzenegger or something like that as sure shock. And I was kind of like thinking like, it, it's weird how you've got say a young version sure shock or, or in your case, you were talking about, you know, Alexis is paired with sure shock. So maybe it's, there's there's a, a a female aspect to that, you know, mini con. But then, like, I think when I was reading this short story, like, because he's ostensibly a storyteller, like, I mean, I sometimes I can't help but think of you know, Cup or like the kind of weasened old, you know, it seemed like like at some point, Sure Shock grew up to be Cup or Ironhide or something, where it's like 
you know, let me tell you, youngster, or even even Gandalf, you know, like uh, Gandalf talking to hobbits. You know what I mean? Like so, something yeah. like that, where you're like, it, it's this, you know, sage kind of, you know, elderly weasened. You know, if if, if Transformers. Well, I guess Alpha Trion has a beard, but I was about to say if, if Transformers could grow beards, you know, maybe Sure Shock now has an Alpha Trion beard or something like that because he's he's an elder minicon. So I, I was kind of thinking of, you know, more of the kind of, you know, kind of, I remember the time on Earth when we all went trick-or-treating, you know, like that kind of vibe to, to the story and stuff. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was well written and and i thought it was kind of fun and of course and it, it does kind of you know it, it it's one of those kind of science fiction tropes where you can look at humanity through another lens and and kind of acknowledge how yeah there there may be some things that we take for granted some some cultural norms you know and, and traditions where you go oh yeah trick-or-treating oh yeah halloween like yeah every year you know like of course but when viewed through the lens of mini cons where they're kind of like scratching their heads, they go, you do what you do what every year? Like, why do you do this? Like, what is this about? Like, so it, it, I guess that's, that's a fun way to, to view the holiday and everything. And, and, and that they still, that even though they came to it with kind of a perplexed and quizzical kind of befuddlement, it's kind of cool that they ended up, imparting halloween into their own culture in their own kind of way so i, I think that's kind of neat agreed all right so then i think what we'll do here is we'll we'll go into a little commercial break and then when we come out on the other side of that commercial break the next plan is again in keeping with the fan holes fright fest theme we're going to be talking about a specific episode of the cartoon transformers animated so stay tuned. It was 1938. The country continues its slow recovery from the Great Depression. While war clouds loom throughout Asia and German aggression builds in Europe, Americans seek comfort and distraction. It was a time when the most popular form of entertainment was radio. But a new form had been growing steadily and was set to explode. It was to become the golden age of the American comic book. My name is Chris. And my name is Mike. Please join us as we explore comics in the Golden Age between 1938 and 1955. All genres will be discussed, from superheroes to crime, horror, science fiction, humor, and western. So join us for the Comics in the Golden Age podcast, available through iTunes and Stitcher, and visit us on Facebook or at comicsinthegoldenage.com. All right, we're back. And we are here, as promised, we're going to be talking about a episode of Transformers Animated. We're actually going to be talking specifically about episode 9. It's titled, Along Came a Spider. And the original air date was February 16th, 2008. This episode was written by Marty Eisenberg and directed by Matt Youngberg. And we'll just go into a hopefully brief synopsis from the Transformers wiki, although it looks kind of ginormous to me, but let's see what we do with it. Sorry introduces Bumblebee, Bulkhead, and Optimus Prime to the concept of Halloween, starting with selecting pumpkins. As she explains the idea of choosing just the right costume, Optimus's attention is distracted by a large Black Widow spider decoration. 
he recalls back to his Academy days. On Arca 7, Optimus and his friend Alita 1 admire the strange webbing stretching across the high rocks, not knowing what it is, until Sentinel calls to them to hurry up. Optimus cautions that such worlds are normally considered off-limits to Autobots, but there's supposedly a real Decepticon ship somewhere in the area. Alita is there for the historical value, but Sentinel just wants to get his hands on the Energon cache that must be in the ship. Optimus is still very wary of potential punishment should they get caught, but figures he has to keep his friends from getting in over their heads. Sentinel insists that that will never happen, right before the ground crumbles under their feet, sending all three plunging into a deep cavern, and strange skittering noises echo from its dark reaches. Optimus activates his shoulder light to see... What the fuck? I don't even... I give up. Whatever. This... Okay. I don't know. To see what? I guess I should have read this before I fucking copied it. But anyway. Uh... Okay. Bulkhead snaps Optimus's attention back to the present by donning a bedsheet, which just covers his head and going, Boo! Startling his leader. Optimus claims a ghost from his past just has him jumpy and then walks off. Back at the Autobot base, Sari critiques Bumblebee and Bulkhead's costumes but says her own costume is a surprise planned for the night. Noticing Optimus is lost in thought, she uses the AllSpark key to activate one of the car plant's cranes, swinging another spider decoration in his face. The unexpected sight of it gives Optimus a bad flashback, and he quickly hacks the fake spider to bits. He admonishes Sari for making frivolous use of the key, and she counters Optimus about him needlessly using his axe. Optimus stares down at the remains of the decoration, and his thoughts travel back again to a flashback. As Optimus, Alita, and Sentinel walk through the cavern, Sentinel enthuses about the rich horde of Energon he's sure they'll find soon. Optimus slushes him as he hears something, and soon, all three are casting their lights about trying to pinpoint the skittering. The source reveals itself as an enormous alien spider which traps Alita with some webbing. As Optimus fights it off, Sentinel frees her with his charge shield, but the spider abruptly takes him down. Alita starts using her special power download ability, but Optimus, holding back the spider, tells her it won't work on organic life. She instead borrows the unconscious Sentinel's shield power and shield, using them to defend herself and then to bring down a huge stalactite to impale the spider. As Sentinel wakes up and Alita returns his shield, Optimus says that it's not worth sticking around, whether it's for history or Energon. Sentinel still insists on one good reason to leave, and he gets three when another trio of giant spiders drop down to confront them. Sentinel quickly puts up his shield's energy barrier, covering Optimus and Alita's retreat. Optimus rolls out, and Alita follows, calling his name. Then we cut back to the present day. Optimus suddenly becomes aware of Sari calling his name to show off her costume, a costume which turns out to be one of him. He doesn't appreciate her vocal impersonation of him, and declines to join the trio on their trick-or-treating outing. As Sari and the two Autobots progress through a local neighborhood, Bumblebee is a bit spooked by the atmosphere. 
Sari reminds him it's all pretend, and unaware, they're actually being tracked by an enormous spider traveling over the rooftops. As she coaches them through their first actual quote-unquote trick or treat, Bumblebee spots the spider watching them and freaks out, but it has disappeared before anyone else sees it. Sari teases him for being more timid than Optimus, but B protests he knows the difference between a fake decoration and a real giant spider. Listening in from headquarters, Optimus has Bumblebee clarify what he saw, then heads out to meet them, advising them to stay put. As Optimus rolls out, his thoughts roll back to the past. Racing through the caverns, Optimus reaches the wreckage of a Decepticon warship. Separated from the other two, Alita and Sentinel, he heads inside hoping to find them there. Instead, he finds an impressive stash of Energon cubes, just as Sentinel predicted. He also finds an impressive stash of giant spider eggs. As the spiderlings hatch and start attacking, Optimus gets stuck on some webbing, but Alita shows up in time to help. As they fight to escape from more full-grown spiders, Optimus has Alita borrow his grappler ability. They bring down a huge stalactite through the ship's ruined overhead, grappling their way out of the cavern as the Energon detonates below them. Alita's download times out at that moment, and then she falls back too fast for Optimus to catch her. Sentinel arrives on top of the ship as Alita plummets into the hold, but not knowing the Energon is going to blow any second, Optimus grapples himself and Sentinel to safety, rather than risk going after Alita. Once they break the surface, Optimus scans for Alita's energy signature, but doesn't find it. A furious Sentinel blames everything on Optimus. Back to the present, still en route to Sari and company's location, Optimus swears he won't let this happen again. Meanwhile, Bumblebee stresses that they have to stay vigilant until Optimus arrives, even as Sari is yanked out from under them by the giant spider. Bumblebee quickly cuts Sari free, but as he and Bulkhead surround the spider, it transforms into a female robot who calls herself Black Arachnid. Sari is not surprised or impressed by her femininity, but it makes a bigger impression on Bulkhead. Then Black Arachnia stabs him with two of her spider legs, knocking him out. She quickly gives Bumblebee the same treatment and then tells Sari they should go now that Sari's safe. Sari protests the two Autobots are her friends, and Black Arachnia apologizes, pretending she can't tell which robots are good or bad. As Sari futilely tries to revive Bulkhead with her Allspark key, Black Arachnia notes that the organic nature of her venom precludes that type of solution, since the Allspark doesn't affect organics. She offers to try helping the Autobots if Sari will just hand her the key, but her ruse is interrupted when Optimus lassos her legs out from under her. Black Arachnia appears shocked to see him, but quickly frees herself and starts fighting back. She uses Bumblebee's stingers and Bulkhead's strength. Instead of borrowing any of Optimus's powers, she judo throws him across the street and then kidnaps Sari. Optimus desperately pursues the pair across the rooftops. When he catches up, he stuns Black Arachnia with a face full of foam, and then sets Sari free. Despite this respite and Sari's warning, Black Arachnia still catches Optimus half unaware. He fights back, but she dodges him constantly, claiming to know all his textbook Autobot Academy moves. Optimus wonders if he knows her, and she berates him for forgetting his friends, even if he remembered Sentinel. 
Optimus is then horrified to realize he's actually facing Alita 1. Black Arachnia relates what really happened that day. She was trapped in the ship and surrounded by the spiders, and Alita tries desperately to download their abilities, but instead she is infected with their venom and it mutates her into a half-organic, half-robotic being. Optimus realizes that her half-organic nature is what masked her energy signature from his scans. Black Arachnia sneers that if he'd known and saved her, she'd just have been dismantled and examined on some lab table on Cybertron. Optimus reproaches her for joining the Decepticons, but she counters that at least she knows where she stands with them. She webs up Optimus and snatches the AllSpark key, certain that if anything can purge her organic half, that the AllSpark key can. She plugs it into herself, but the unleashed energies begin causing all organic life in range, including Sari, to wither and sicken. Optimus breaks free, but before he can stop Black Arachnia, she grabs Sari and throws her off the roof. Sari snags a flagpole long enough for Bumblebee and Bulkhead to save her, leaving Optimus free to deal with Black Arachnia. However, Black Arachnia collapses on her own, and Optimus surmises her spark can't survive without her organic half. However, she is too weak to pull out the AllSpark key and stop the reaction. Optimus forces through the energy barrier around her and removes the barrier for her, restoring the organic life in the area to normal. As he helps her up, Black Arachnia asks him to go, because she does not want to be seen like that. Still calling her Alita, Optimus asks her to come with them, promising his group will find her a cure and allow him to earn back her trust. She seems to respond positively, but it's another sham. Black Arachnia stabs him unconscious and leaves, vowing it will be a long time before she ever trusts another Autobot, especially him. Later, Optimus returns the AllSpark key to Sari. She thanks him and admits he was right, and maybe it's time she gave the key a rest. Bumblebee comes in still damaged from his fall after catching Sari and asks if she could use it on him once more. Bulkhead asks who the Bugbot lady was, and Optimus responds it was someone he should never have left behind. Elsewhere, Black Arachnia stands on a rooftop, gazing at the moon and sobbing over her fate. And that is the super lengthy, crappily written synopsis from the TF Wiki. Ta-da! God, that was long. <laughs> anyway, this is a good episode, but man, that synopsis. Blech. All right. So anyway, so we're we're basically talking about Along Came a Spider, which is this is pretty early on in the the run of of the show. I mean, it's only the ninth episode, but it, there's a lot of sort of, I guess, world building and world fusing going on here, which is kind of cool. And it, it also sort of fits into our mandate because Sari is is also trying to educate uh, Optimus and his crew on, you know, human culture and, and actual, you know, Halloween type culture. And this is kind of cool because it starts with them, you know, picking out a pumpkin in the pumpkin patch, which I guess, I don't know, I, I can relate to that. I, I, I remember always being brought along to select the pumpkin and 
no, I don't know. I don't know if, you know, sometimes you wonder if your parents are just blowing smoke up your ass or whatever. But my mom was always like, you pick good pumpkins. Come with me and help me pick a pumpkin. (laughs) And so we would go and and go to the pumpkin patch and pick out a pumpkin and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I mean, I guess they can't get too deep into it because it seems like Bulkhead, like, you know, squishes the pumpkin before they get to draw a face on it and gut it and put in the little lanterns and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, and, and, and Sari's kind of shy at, revealing that her her costume is actually optimus but it's, it's kind of similar to carlos i mean they both kind of aspire to be their heroes which are transformers and they kind of come up with these makeshift costumes you know either of minicons and or you know optimus himself you know and and of course the comedy is you know optimus like i mean you know they kind of poke fun at it it's like optimus kind of refutes or or you know kind of acts like he's like i don't sound like that but then he he does have that that beat which is a, a kind of a good comedic beat where he's kind of like do i sound like that like you know <laughs> I, I, he's like i don't sound like that he's like do, do i sound like that you know so like there there's some there's some cool funny bits to it and everything and then i guess you know the the world fusing i guess i'm referring to is i guess you know, alita one is black arachnia like in this in this uh, version of the mythos and or you know this this continuity and everything which I, I guess this is one of the first shows that kind of uh, I, I think since Beast Wars that you know I guess you know you had this kind of overload of the I guess the anime adaptions of various Transformers properties but this one you know it, it was it seemed to be more for lack of a better term traditionally animated you know kind of you know from a western perspective and they they sort of went out of their way to put in a a great deal of fan service into every episode they they seem to be you know specifically targeting the fan base which would be like you know guys like you and me who who grew up with and remembered the original you know either g1 or remembered beast wars or what have you so they were they were specifically going after and targeting the those those kind of customers, I guess, for lack of a better term, and 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 this is a, another shining example of it. I mean, I get, I guess you've got a lot of stuff to unpack, but you've got things like you know Sentinel and Optimus, and they kind of go into their their backstory, and and it turns out you know they were all chums, and they were both trying to mack on Alita One, I guess, and and then and then it turns into this kind of you know semi tragic backstory for black arachnia like was there was there was this widely like was this something that was received well or did did people freak out about this like i can't even i can't even remember because it it seems like it's kind of old hat now since it happened a long time ago but uh, i think most people were cool with it i think well i think this is what like the ninth episode yeah, like I yeah. think by this point, everyone had decided that animated was like cool. So like we were pretty yeah, much willing yeah. to like accept anything like they threw at us, and like like yeah, like I love animated. Like after like Beast Wars and G One, it's probably my favorite cartoon. And like yeah, like I I kind of appreciated all like these like you said like mashups and like you know uh, presenting like old material in a new way, kind of like. Yeah, 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 that's what it seems like this is going I was going to ask you, like, I think I've told you before, but it's like, Sentinel Prime, like, as a character, like, he he was directly created to, like, cater to you, 
like basically to, to to fans like you because like when when animated was in production uh the original plan was there was going to be like some jerk character who was always hassling optimus prime and the original plan was that it was going to be rodimus prime yeah but there, were, there were people like you like in the production team who were like hey whoa like rodimus is cool like and they like you can't do that and then they were like okay well we'll just make this you know semi-new character and then that's how sentinel prime was basically like you know born in this universe so like like i've always thought that was kind of funny and then they they didn't design him until they cast like townsend coleman as like him like as a voice so that's why he kind of looks like the tick, basically. Like he's he's mm. he's got the big chin. Like he's kind of shaped. He's blue. He's shaped yeah, like the yeah. tick. So he's he's basically like you know based on his voice actor. Yeah, I mean it's cool to see. This was kind of interesting too because I think the, the the whole concept of animated was, and I think it, it what worked well about Optimus was he wasn't really Optimus Prime. You know, like he wasn't. It was like he was just kind of a young, almost like what Starship Captain, you know, that's kind of has a crew of Autobots, but it's not like it's not like he's the ultimate authority in the entire Autobot organization. So you, you and and then and then furthermore, when you go into these flashbacks, that's even before he he was that far along in terms of having a sense of status. You know, like this is back when they were just kind of young and dumb kids i mean you know for lack of a better term if this was a you know an old sunbow g1 cartoon i mean this could have easily been you know orion pax and ariel and and dion going to do this goofy thing you know and then and then ariel instead of becoming alita one becomes black arachnia or something like that like i mean it could very well be you know i mean that that seems to be some of the things that they're pulling from but you know sentinel is is kind of that I mean, in, in some ways, like, you, you could, you know, describe him as kind of like a a Flash Thompson-type character. You know, it's like that there was somebody who was going to be a, a, a rival and an antagonist, but not necessarily an enemy of Optimus, you know, but, but more of an obstacle, you know, that, that you know, basically... And, and, and again, it also kind of sets up, you know, the, the way they have, you know, Ultra Magnus later is, like, kind of like this you know, supreme Autobot leader, for lack of a better term. Like, there's there there's other people that are of of higher authority than Optimus in this universe. So I, I think it lends credence to the fact that he can afford to be on planet Earth off doing his own thing while all these other kind of important things are going on on Cybertron, I guess. Yeah, like it it's kind of like fusing like Optimus Primal with Optimus Prime, like yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, again, I guess you're going back to that kind of world fusing where where they're they're taking things that worked from from across all the different iterations of Transformers. And and I think, you know, kind of like that TMNT movie from 2007, like they kind of they kind of put it in a blender and it makes like a really good smoothie. You know, because some, sometimes you can do that, and it's like you're like you take a swig of it, and you're like, this is fucking terrible. But like, I think I think this is one of those things where they had like 
all the right ingredients and all the right amounts, you know, and, and kind of put it all together. And I mean, for the most part, like I, I don't have too many criticisms of this show at all. Like I kind of agree with you. Like, I, I think it's, it's a very, you know, well-written show. I think, I think it has a lot of, you know, cool fan service. I mean, I don't know. Some of it maybe, I mean, if I, if I had any critiques, it might be like, maybe, you know, some of it hits you over the head too hard maybe, but I mean, you know, that's, you know, that's kind of nitpicky stuff. It's not, it's not like distracting from, it's not distracting from the, the overall quality and content of, of the show itself. I mean, it's like one of those things where you, you kind of wish that this was one of the shows that ran for like four or five. It's like when I look at shows like rescue bots and shit and I'm like, what? this has been running for five fucking seasons. Like, you know, and I was just like, this is insane. Like, like this is, this has been running for longer than the original series, like, and all this kind of stuff. And, and then you kind of wonder, you're like, Oh, well, that's kind of a shame that like Armada, you know, it's like, well, these, these other shows like, you know, seem to run longer than animated. And you're like, oh man, I wish animated could have run as long as, you know, I don't know, Rescue Bots or whatever it is that's out there now. Yeah, it is a kind of a shame. Yeah, like I guess I don't know if like, did it take a while for you to get used to like the character designs, like the sorta, of, you know, I, I get the obvious. I, I, I do, I mean, I, I don't know that it bothered me that much. Like, I, I think this is one of those things where. You know, like there, there are the type of folks and I'll just go and name drop people. And if they're listening, so be it. But like what I'm getting flashbacks of is you you have the kind of fans like big country who, who like a certain kind of aesthetic in their art. You know, they, they see something and I'm I'm just throwing stuff out there, but my best guess is, you know, you see something traditional like Jim Lee. And he's kind of like, okay, I understand this. I comprehend it. I think it's good or serviceable, right? And and there's certain things like that with Transformers where there's certain styles of art and or character designs and animation that he would see and kind of go, all right, I'm into this. I know what it is. It, it says Transformers to me. But then you'd get character designs like from animated and, and people would have these knee-jerk reactions of why does optimus prime have a mouth bro you know and they'd like freak the fuck out over like you know oh it's too cartoony man i can't take it seriously and things like that and so like i i do i am having flashbacks of people kind of reacting adversely to the character design i don't i don't think that ever really bothered me per se i mean i i think some of the things that i i thought were kind of I'm not going to say like detrimental but like some of the things that I thought were kind of problematic when I first that took me a while to get into the show was the fact that they it's like I guess in some ways maybe it was good but it's like they they kind of didn't always focus on the Decepticons as the antagonist like every single show and like even this in some case I mean I guess technically Black Arachne is a Decepticon right but like even this, like, technically it's like she's almost her own little third-party subsect of of the main Decepticon antagonist. And, like, in a lot of those early episodes, you had, like, all these guys kind of like the, the mechanic from the Marvel comic, 
you know, like, or, or Circuit Breaker or something. You know, it's like you, you had all these, like, human, almost, like, super villainish antagonists that would have to fight Prime and his crew. And, like, you know, I, I, I remember there being a bunch of backlash over that, like, where they're like, oh, I want to, you know, I paid to see, you know, Autobots fight Decepticons, not, you know, I don't know, Optimus Prime fight some guy dressed up as Robin Hood or whatever. You know, like, so, and I mean, you know, I, I guess that's a legitimate criticism. And I, I think, you know, it's like, but as long as those aren't like happening every single episode, then I, I don't think that's a problem. And I think once they got into the, the meat of the mythology of this series, you know, the way they envisioned it, I mean, it's not like in season two and three, they were constantly coming across, you know, human antagonists, like every single episode either, you know? So it's like, that's you know, like, I don't know, like, I, I guess I got used to the character designs kind of pretty early on. I mean, it didn't bug me as much. And, and maybe that has something to do with the fact that, like, I kind of abhor, like, and, and you know me, I haven't seen any of the movies, really, but I, I don't really like the Bayformers designs. And th this seemed like, almost like counter-programming. Yeah, it was like a, it was like, you know, it's like, it's like, it, it's like, from that. Yeah, it's it's like if you were if you were either uh, you're somebody like me who completely rejected that that series of of films or that direction that the franchise was going in, it, it was like, oh, here's your counter programming. Like, here's something that that may keep you, you know, in Hasbro's pockets as far as you know, uh, supporting Transformers with your wallet. You know, like like here's something for you. You know, you you like a Bumblebee that talks? Well here's a bumblebee that talks, you know, like, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, and, and, and I think probably that was the smart move is, is changing it Sentinel prime. Cause you know, I, it's like, you know, I, I could see myself kind of going, Oh, I don't like this Bayformers movie aesthetic. So I'm not into that part of it. And then if they had made like Rodimus prime, a, you know, freaking jerk, you know, maybe uh, I would have been like, I'm done with this forever, you know, or whatever, you know, like, like you could see people like, like overreacting or something like that and, and kind of taking it into a, you know, a totally different, uh, you know, path with your, with your uh, fandom or whatever. But I mean, I, you know, I, I, I think there were a lot of cool things about this show and, and the, the deeper they got into it, it, you know, I guess, you know how we were talking before about the, the 2000 X masters of the universe show. Like, I feel like this is, animated is is like that show but like you know i don't know five years later you know like like it like if this had been airing alongside that 2000x masters of the universe show like they, those, these those shows seem simpatico to me yeah like where they 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 they, they took what was already there and kind of tried to retweak it for their modern audience, but they didn't retweak it so much that it was completely unrecognizable, you know, where, where you had the older fan base, like, throw up their arms and reject it. It's like they, they, they sort of, you know, they, they walked a, a, a nice tightrope, and, you know, it's one of those things where you, you kind of feel like, people don't get enough credit for pulling off things like that. Cause, cause maybe cause they make it seem easy or, or, or maybe cause certain people take things for granted. It's like you, you watch that show and you think, well, we can always have a show like that. And then, you know, you turn around and, and you've got, you know, 
Transformers R.I.D. or, you know, whatever it is, you know, Transformers Prime or something, and you realize, like, how much it could be pushed in a in a different direction other than that, you know, where it's, it, they're, they're not going to have a bunch of G1 nods, or you're not going to have a bunch of cool world fusing and stuff like that, and then you're you're kind of, you know, more grateful for you know, some of the, the shows that came before and the kind of effort that people put into something that, you know, maybe they didn't necessarily need to put into it, but I think, you know, maybe historically, you know, you look back at it and kind of go, hey, you know, this, I'm, you know, I'm glad whatever creative forces were behind it, you know, made the effort to, you know, it's like simple stuff where it's like, oh, they got Weird Al to voice Rekkar. You know, like just just stuff like that, where it's like you, they didn't have to do that, but they did. You know, so it's like there's there's lots of cool things like that in this in this series, and you know they they didn't have to do Black Arachnia, and or they didn't have to make Alita One the person who turns into Black Arachnia, but it was kind of cool to make it. You know, give Optimus a personal stake in a character, whereas you know that you know if you looked at say you know. Generation One Optimus Prime and Beast Wars Black Arachnia, they pretty much have like no history and or connection, you know. So I, I think that that's kind of cool, and I, I almost think like this kind of show gave license to like some of the later IDW comics to be like, hey, it's cool, we can have like you know Rat Trap and Skybite and people on Cybertron with with other, you know, quote unquote G1 transformers. Like and it's not it's not totally like an insane idea or whatever to, yeah. to sort of mix and match those those characters from from different universes. I mean, I'm I'm sure some people would lose their crap if like Botanica was like hanging out with the Dinobots or something. But you know, it's like it's like one of those things where, you know, it's like it's still kind of you you can see them trailblazing a certain path for for that kind of i guess coexistence between Speak, different iterations speaking of, of like i always like to joke that animated is like marty eisenberg's like redemption for being part of the beast machines like writing like team or whatever <laughs> yeah that's but... funny yeah he, he yeah it reminds me of me <laughs> him so um, i was just gonna say um like I, I I I agree with everything you've said, and I, I like like this is the sort of show where like you know the Armada and Energon and Cybertron like they were anime first, and then they were like you know developed transmuted into U.S. like TV. So I've always said that like the Japanese Transformers series are like a, made for a lower age bracket than the ones like over here like maybe for the like five to eight age range and i feel like animated is a bracket above that where it's made for like you know the nine to like 14 year olds or whatever and like even even though like the animation style and the character models are a little like out there and like you know maybe a little cartoony um like this is a like very seriously toned episode and like there's a lot of again it's like we always say it's like it's mature, but it's not adult, like, material, basically. Like, there's some, like, really, like, you know, there are stakes. Like, 
when you see like Sari get her life force drained away and have her thrown off a building, and this is before you know that Sari is actually like a robot. So like you know she it wasn't like a you actually think a little girl is in peril basically, and like she could have died. So like like I appreciate that. Like that's like not talking down to your audience. Yeah, I also think that the it's like kind of what you're saying like it's not you know i i always come back to like hbo spawn when i use this example but it's not like it's not like black arachne is just walking around and she's like naked and the stripper and showing titties and then when like you know somebody gets like if sorry gets like tapped in the head there's like you know blood all over the place or billy kincaid's gonna molest her or something and those are the stakes where it's really there, there's a certain level of lasciviousness to that quote-unquote adult you know aspect to it whereas this like you're saying it's it's mature you know there are you know uh, you know as they you know there are heavy concepts you know like that are going on in the background there's you know things of you know it it, it, it you know conceivably there's there's post-traumatic stress stress and and you know the the, the notion that you know there's the guilt of leaving behind somebody's, you know, comrade in, in kind of a life or death situation and, you know, the, the kind of recompense that's, you know, it's like, it's like, is, you know, it's like, you know, part of you can maybe understand black arachnia's sense of betrayal, you know, in, in that concept. But then, you know, it, it's not, it's one of those things where you kind of, it's not like this, you know, God help me. It's not like one of this Last Jedi shit where there's like twelve different versions of Luke, like looking at Kylo Ren <laughs> on the bed, and you have to like make up your mind at what happened. It's it's pretty it's mature, but it's pretty straightforward from Black Arachne's perspective. Optimus left her behind. You know, from Sentinel's perspective, he's a dumb jock and is like, "Why'd you do that, bro?" And it's like, "Well, if you didn't do that, you'd be fucking dead, bro." Like that's that's why. You know, like so it's like, and and then you know, from Optimus's perspective, he's kind of like, "Well, I checked. I did my due diligence. I looked for her life energy signature. I didn't see it. We we thought." And, you know, we feared the worst. And when we checked it out with our equipment, it, that that was confirmed. But then hearing her backstory, you know, it clicked like, oh, we didn't look for you because we weren't looking for something organic, you know, and it's like so. So in some sense, it's like it's this tragedy, but it's and it's got mature themes. And there were there were certain levels of people feeling betrayed and outraged. But also sort of explains it in such a way that you don't you don't blemish that lead character. You know, it's like it's not like Optimus Prime is a morally reprehensible character by the end of this episode. It's like it there were there were aspects of, you know, for, for lack of a better term, you know, it's got that threes company, you know, comedic hijinks misunderstanding thing going on too, where you it's like it, through through I don't want to say no fault of his own, but, but, you know, in some sense, you know, despite Optimus's best intentions, you know, things, things did not work out in that, you know, past encounter, you know, or past life experience. And now he's sort of paying the price for it in the present day, you know, but it's like he, he saves Sari and, and he offers to help Black Arachnia. Now it's not his fault that she, you know, basically, he offered her an olive branch and offered his hand, and she 
basically slapped it away. So now it's like, okay, well, you know, that's, that's on her now. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's like he's trying to make amends and trying to fix things because there were aspects of a misunderstanding. But, you know, again, like, I guess, you know, what we're talking about, it's not, it's not so lascivious that it, it feels like it's sensationalized. It's, it's just kind of, you know, they're not talking down to their audience, but at the same time, it can still be viewed by the bracket of audience that you were saying, you know, Armada or some of the other Japanese shows are designed for, you know, like they can still view this and kind of appreciate it. But, you know, maybe when they get a little older, they'll see things, you know, at a, at a different level. Yeah. I, 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 I was laughing at, uh, I was like, watch it bulkhead. You're going to like poison the entire neighborhood when he's like dragging like the, like the uh, fumigation tent, like around as his, uh, uh, costume. And there's like that cloud of chemicals following him everywhere. Yeah. I was like, I was like when, when he, it's like, that that's a funny part where she's like, you, you, that's not a ghost sheet. That's a fumigation tent. And he's kind of like, what's, what's a fumigation tent. And then like all those, cockroaches and other fucking bugs that come at you. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) what did you think about, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like bulkhead wants to be a ghost and he ends up wearing a fumigation tent because of that. And then Bumblebee decides to be like, you know, Dracula, I guess, because probably he's getting shown, you know, all kinds of earth movies and stuff like that. So maybe they were showing him too much twilight or whatever. No. Um, but you know, you know what I mean? Like they were, they were showing them probably, you know, Bella Lugosi or something like that. So, but it's like, I guess there is that weird aspect where it's kind of like Optimus has that, that Wolverine thing where it's like, I'm not going to celebrate Christmas, bub. You know, it's like, he, he's like, <laughs> Optimus is like semi trying to understand the holiday, but he's not going to go trick or treating with them so he can come and sort of save them when, when things go bad or whatever. He's like, bah humbug. Like that's Christmas Optimus. Whatever. What's the Halloween equivalent? Like he just runs around axing up uh houses instead of getting candy. I don't know. Black Arachnia like kinda spends the rest of the series like on her own. Like like I I was kinda sad that she never like kinda either rejoined the Decepticons or, you know, rejoined the Autobots. But I guess I guess that's that's a sign of Megatron's like competence because like in this show it's like for the first time ever it's like as soon as Megatron gets his body back like what's the first thing he does is like kill Starscream he was like okay you betrayed me once you're done like so like maybe if Black Arachne was like a free agent he was like well I don't want to see you around anymore because if you I do you're you're done for yeah that makes sense I think like if I remember correctly, Black Arachnia like ends this show like stranded on another like planet or something because like she gets shoved through that portal and then like like that's the end of her like it's too bad like she'd really get a conclusion to her plot line. In that in that book that you're fond of that kind of details some of the plans that they had for like I guess what future seasons and all that kind of stuff was there ever any indication that they were gonna go back to Black yeah Arachnia apparently like in the fourth season she was going to return from that planet with like a predacon army or whatever because it was like her and waspinator like trapped there and like they were going to like either you know raise some predacons or whatever i don't know 
but yeah, I'm sure they had like bigger plans, like in the fourth season. Like the, there's a whole couple pages, and uh, it's called the All Spark Almanac. And if if you don't, if you love this show and you ha- don't own it, it's something. Yeah, you should really get. Like I'm saying that to everyone because it's like a you can you can tell like the care and the love they put into this universe through that book because it like they, they it's kind of like. Uh, almost like young justice where it's like there's this myth- mythology ever present in the background that they that's they already like had laid out and like they can just draw upon at any time and then like you know it's it's just like a labor of how much care they put into it Nah, like i, I like this episode i think this is a great series and i think we we should talk more about it eventually in the oh, future yeah. yeah for sure for sure all right, well, I, I think this is going to do it for this episode of Transformers Tuesdays, which ties into Fanhole's Fright Fest. And if you've enjoyed listening to this show and you haven't checked out any of the other installments of Fanhole's Fright Fest, uh, please check those out. We have plenty of other spin-off shows in addition to Transformers Tuesdays. We've got Mobile Suit Mondays, we've got Toku Thursdays, we've got Sentai Saturdays, we've got Comics Motherfucker, Do You Read Them, where we talk about comics, we've got Big in Japan, where we talk about anime, and we have Justice Not Entirely Dissimilar to Lightning, a Thunderbolts podcast, and of course we've got the Fanholes podcast proper. So again, if you've enjoyed listening to this show, please con- uh, please consider checking out all those other shows. If you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, if you are Armada's biggest fan and you want to, you know, I don't know, knock some sense into us about Armada and the animation mistakes, you can send us an email at channelspodcast at gmail.com. And... The backlog of all our episodes can be found over at fanholspodcast.blogspot.com. And we're on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc. We appreciate all the likes, shares, tweets, retweets, hearts, feedback, favorites. We can be found on iTunes. We can be streamed on Stitcher Radio. So until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, rolling out. Hey, it's Mike. Uh... I got nothing. All right, guys. Peace. second i thought you had stopped talking yeah yeah, i'm done can you hear me what's that you cut out again can you hear me yeah okay i'm i'm i guess i'm yeah you were getting you were getting choppy okay towards the end there at least all right can uh, I don't know. I could do a countdown. You can tell me if you can hear me. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Yeah, that okay. was good.
So uh, what... I was just going to say, apparently, uh, what's that? I didn't say anything. Okay, I wasn't sure if you'd cut out again. It's like I'm gonna wear your face and go trick or treating, Mike. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> My best friend Alexis. It's like she was the greatest human I ever met, and now I will go wear her face when we go <laughs> trick or treat. Let's trick a treat with Alexis's face. Come on, do it now. <laughs> Come on, minicons. <laughs>